We welcome everybody until they got so drunk and try to break stuff. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host Oscar Fuchs. It's been a short while, but we're back with the second half of season two. If you're a new listener, welcome, and here's a quick recap of how the show works. There are three parts to each interview. The first part is a straightforward two-way conversation, which starts with the guest introducing an object that, in some way, describes their life in China. In the second part, I ask every guest the same ten China-related questions, all on the theme of their personal experiences, tastes, and opinions. And the final part is just one extra question, where I ask each guest to nominate someone for the next season of the show. And this is how each interview represents a connective tile, which builds out into a mosaic of China. The show has also been designed to include a visual element, so please follow the images on Instagram or Facebook, or head to mosaicofchina.com. In last week's bonus episode, we discussed that there are transcripts of the show, also on mosaicofchina.com, for anyone who is hard of hearing or whose first language isn't English. Actually, there is a new update to report. In the last couple of weeks, YouTube has made it easier to upload captions to videos. So I tried it out and managed to upload all the transcripts for each episode there. So if you have access to YouTube, you can now listen to the regular version of the show while reading the subtitles in real time. I would do the same on Weibo, but they stopped allowing me to post there. Thanks for nothing, Weibo. Now that you're caught up, let's get on with today's show. And it's quite an embarrassing one for me, because you can tell that I have absolutely no idea about the subject matter we're talking about. I can just about fake my way through most subjects, but not today. So be prepared to roll your eyes at me a lot in this one. On top of that, my guest Cassandra is just too cool and too nonchalant. So this combination of ignorance and intimidation is apparently enough to turn me into a nervous, giggling child. Which I hope will at least bring you some amusement. I'm with Cassandra Chen. Hello, Cassandra. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you. And you are a bar owner of the bar called Inferno. Inferno. People might have a clue about what this bar is just by the name, right? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Inferno is a heavy metal bar. Yes, that's right. Well, we we're going to talk about the bar, but before we do. The first question I will ask is: What object did you bring that, in some way, describes your life here in China? Well, I I brought a Inferno T-shirt. It's、uh, it's a T-shirt made up for a Viking knight. Oh, can I take a look? Yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, it's as I expected. It is dark. It is slightly scary. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a Odin on his horse. Ah, yeah. Tell me what this signifies. What is Viking night?、Uh, we basically do some Viking metal, like from Scandinavian, and people sometimes even can dance with it. It's not really brutal music. It's kind of happy. Right now, we're doing this two or three times a year, and、uh, basically, our customer would put on the. Helmet, this leather outfit, and <laughs> and the drink in the horn. 
<laughs> yeah, they 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 bought tons of horns online. Oh, so they bring their own horn. Yes, it's it's actually very pretty. And where did this idea come from? Is that something which is connected with heavy metal? Yes, actually, it is. These people are barbarian. Yeah, right. When I think about heavy metal, I do think of Scandinavians with maybe big bodies, big beards, kind、mm-hmm. of aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what we have.、Um, it's、um, really like a home for the metalheads to hang out,、hmm. like a family giving ideas for the events, and sometimes help out to wash the dishes. <laughs> The customers help out. Yes, it's a, still a very small scene, very small community, and、um, kind of a risk to open a heavy metal bar. I know a lot of live house; they have some heavy metal show, but as a bar, only plays heavy metal. Nah,、no. you need to know enough people who have the same hobby. Yeah, it's a big move. So could I accurately say that yours is the only heavy metal bar in China? Yes, yes, you can say that. <laughs> That's pretty special. Yeah, <laughs> I am really interested to hear more about this because, I mean, look at me. I am not a typical heavy metal fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I get quite intimidated. Well, we accept everybody. I mean, different color, even they speak in different language, different thoughts. It's fine. We welcome everybody. Okay. Until they got so drunk and try to break stuff. <laughs> it sounds like that does happen sometimes. Yeah, it does. So, who are these people? Who are your customers? Um, designers, engineers,、um, English teachers, even karate teachers, all kinds. But are they mainly male? Um, mainly yes. We still have some girls, but、uh, they cannot drink that much. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was just joking. <laughs> we have both. I realize、um, the most people are nerds. They like video games. They play D and D. They even watch animation. Then they love music. These kind of people can bring good ideas on the table. Very creative. So, was it one of these nerds who first came up with the Viking knight? Yes, that's right. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're already planning the next one as well. Yes, we are planning the next one.、Uh, hopefully, like end of the year. Great. Maybe I will come. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a very small horn for me? <laughs> um, only for shots, right? Not for beer. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Maybe I can fill it with a very small pink cocktail. Okay. <laughs> So maybe I shouldn't be intimidated by you guys. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Or like Sunday, the slowest night, you have、uh, ten people watching some horror movies that we play all the time. Well, it sounds to me like your entire community, your entire life, has some connection to this music. Yeah, I can say that. The metalheads, our small community, as I know, the most of people are honesty people. Not aggressive at all. Not not as you imagine. You can easily like talk to them. Then the second time you go, you know somebody. Yeah. Very easygoing people. Mm. Mm. 
So how did you get into it? Were your parents musicians of any kind? No, not at all. Um, my mom was uh, like a sales manager. My dad was a uh, chemistry in the lab. So nothing related. So what do they think of your life now? Of course, they never agree like from the beginning, but um, they somehow accept my choice. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And when did you first get into this style of music? I think um, end of high school, I listened to Linkin Park. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I want to play in a band when I get into university. Then I just start to listen to new metal from the beginning. Then the taste just get heavier. I like the heavier side, mm. like heavy riffs. Again, like you always can find your own type of people. Then we have this small community. You just start to hang out with them, go to concerts, drink with them, talking about bands, new urbans. After I graduated, I, I got a designing job, but that was boring. <laughs> then I tried different things. A um, few years later, there is a heavy metal bar opened. Then I start to drink there. Mm. And that was Inferno, was it? Yeah, that was Inferno. Okay. Right. Um, one year later, uh, one of my friends died. So it reminded me life is short. Mm. I should do something make me happy and uh, make me care. So I quit my daytime job and I started to bartending at Inferno. Okay, how old were you then? I think that was 26 I was pretty scared and shy. There were a lot of people. Everybody's requesting for a drink, expecting you to do something about it. And basically just running around, don't even look at the customer's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think because the noise problem closed down the first inferno, um, we have a neighborhood like uh, maybe 100 meters away. So, so they complained? Yes, they complained. Then we changed to the second place. Then the second inferno is much way bigger, around 400 square meters, with stage, with kitchen. But then that means uh, a lot of works. Mm. I lost the one partner because my partner left to Denmark. Oh, I see. So until then, you were in a partnership? Yeah. Also, I had uh, another partner, which is um, a Dutch girl. And uh, the Dutch girl barely had the time to help out. Oh, so you're basically running it by yourself? Yes, everything's on my shoulder. All the events, the stage equipment, the bartending, the kitchen. At that time, it's more like a live house. So every day I need to contact the bands. Uh, mostly local, like uh, Shanghai bands. But sometimes I got some bands from Beijing, and then we have some international tour bands. Um, we had a we had a Nightwish, um, Carcass, Lamb of God, um, As I Lie Dying. Mm, mm. And these are pretty famous bands right now. Yes, that was a lot. <laughs> For me, all I remember just work. I think I had a three years insomnia. Oh, insomnia. Yes. Oh, wow. 
So it looked successful from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like you still had big bands coming and you were still running the place. Yes. But then on the other side, it didn't work for you. It was just simply too much. Yeah. That's, I think, the thing people don't realize about running a bar, right? They see the sexy side, like, oh, great, you're surrounded by friends, you're surrounded by alcohol, you can see bands. Yeah, that's right. But the running of the bar is something else, right? Yeah, that's a totally different thing. I didn't even want to step my foot into that place anymore. Eventually, we decided to to close down the place. Mm. But uh, it took me like a half year to process this idea. Right. Because it would be hard to let go, right? Yeah, that's right. That that was my baby. And I guess you also felt some kind of responsibility to this community. Yes, that's right. And the last night, um, some of the people just cry. I th- I think at that time I really really need a break, but I also really really don't want to let it go. It's a, it's a complicated feeling. Yeah. Well, I can imagine why it took you six months to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, then I went to Beijing for a few weeks. Our regulars always remind me about this place, how much this place has been loved. So then I start to looking for the new place. So the third inferno, um, I target as like uh, in a different way. We remove the kitchen, remove the stage, make the bar smaller, more cozy. People still can make a request of music, listen to whatever they want as long as heavy metal, and um, people just chill. So less about live shows. Yeah, the stage was difficult to run. Not enough local bands. And the the choice of the music is very narrow. And this is what you meant by it's a risk to start a bar like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Well, let's move on to part two. Okay. Okay. Question one. What is your favorite China-related fact? I really admire the first uh, Empress in Tang Dynasty, which is the only empress in the Chinese history. Ah, Wu Zetian, right? Yes. Tell me why. She was fighting from the bottom to the top of her life and run the country and make it strong. So as a woman at that time, it's very impressive. Mm. Do you try and live your life in the same way? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think nobody could. Even in Qing Dynasty, one of the empress tried to do the same thing, but I think she destroyed the country <laughs> instead of to saving it. Right. This is Tsushi, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you are more like Tsushi or more like Wu Zetian? I hope more like Wu Zetian, but I don't think I'm that wise <laughs> like her. So Nice. Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese? Okay, what does that mean? Uh, that means uh, after suffering comes happiness. Nice. Mm, most people's life um, having this uh, growing experience, um, learning experience, and turn to be the person who they want to be. Right. 
Is that what happened to you after Inferno 2? And then now you are in a place which is much happier. Yes, yes, I think so. Ku Jin Gan Lai. I'm just trying to think. Gan? Gan is Gan Tian, sweet. Ah, so the sweetness comes after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, I'm going to use that. Okay. What's your favorite destination within China? I like Sanya, lying on the beach. Um, I like Morgan which is close to the nature in the mountain. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested in one day can go to Tibet and the Xinjiang, which I think is very exotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You spent a lot of time in Beijing. What do you think about Beijing? Um, it's big, lots of bands. People are more easy, nice people, very nice people. Right. They're more straightforward, right? That's right. Right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think people in Shanghai, they have a reputation for being a bit more complicated, right? They don't always say what they mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I haven't spent enough time in Beijing. I still need to do that. So maybe I will ask for your friends next time. Okay. <laughs> if you left China, what would you miss the most and what would you miss the least? I think I would miss the most is... Um, this very convenient lifestyle. Two o'clock, if you want to buy some beer, you, you can get delivery in China. Other country, probably not. Mm. And have you ever left China? Did you ever go overseas? Yeah, I, I went to Germany. When I was in Germany, I really miss vegetables. Because they have a lot of meat in Germany. And uh, I think for them, potato is a salad. <laughs> right. Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? A lot of things can surprise me. Ten years ago, we, we, we don't even have a smartphone, and now like everybody does. Mm. Uh, this is going to be an easy one for you. What is your favorite place to hang out in Shanghai? <laughs> uh, well, of course, I hang out at Inferno the most of the time. And if there was a second choice? I would go to Latina. It's a Brazil steakhouse buffet, all you can eat. It's pretty good deal for me. Nice. What is the best or worst purchase you have recently made? The best thing I bought, probably the drinking horn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you buy it on Taobao? No, no uh, I got my friend a bought it in America, which is doing this uh, Viking thing. Ah, uh, so actually, you can't use that one because that wasn't in, in China. In China. Yeah. Mm. I have this, uh, um, you know, like uh, uh, Chinese or Japanese, they have this cat at the shop and try to uh, ask for more money. <laughs> yeah, instead I have a one like give a, a middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we draw some like makeup on it, make it look like a black metal cat. Oh dear, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Did you buy that on Taobao? Yeah, I bought it on Taobao. <laughs> <laughs> How did you even search for that? I don't know. It just popped out. So then I saw a cat with middle finger. I was like, that looks great. That was designed for you. Yes. <laughs> Next question. What is your favorite WeChat sticker? So it's uh, two of our uh, regular customer drinking from the horn and the cheers to each other. <laughs> yeah. And this was at one of the Viking nights? Yes. Yes. They looked the part, I must say. Mm-hmm. What is your go-to song to sing at KTV? Oh, Switch Out of Mine. <laughs> That's a classic. Yes. 
But you wouldn't call that heavy, right? That's obviously no, no. But it's、uh, <laughs> it's pretty enjoyable to sing the song. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, what other China-related media or sources of information do you use? There's a magazine、uh, called Painkiller. Painkiller. Yeah, it's like a heavy metal magazine. It's still the only one in China, and they help a Wagen Festival. Ah,、oh, what's that? It's a, it's like a German heavy metal festival. They do that once a year, like one of the biggest heavy metal festival in Europe. Okay, so has there been a China band at the Wagen Festival? Yeah, it has been a lot actually. Well, thank you so much, Cassandra. If there was one band where it's like for beginners,、mm-hmm. which band or which song would you recommend would be like a good entry point?、Uh, we have a black metal band in Shanghai. They were formed two thousand six, so which is already fourteen years old band.、Uh, it's called Jinjiao Jidu. Jinjiao Jidu. Yeah, they they are basically the best in Shanghai.、Mm. Cassandra, the last thing I would ask you before you leave is: out of everyone you know in China, who would you recommend that I interview for the next season of Mosaic of China? I think one of my best friends, also my karate teacher, Telly. Telly, where's he from? A Belgian. Okay, I look forward to meeting him. Karate in China—that's an unusual combination. Know, right? <laughs> Thank you again, Cassandra. My pleasure. If you're a metalhead, please get in touch to berate me about all the questions I didn't think to ask Cassandra. But let me try to appease you by inviting you to check out the photos on social media, where you'll see Cassandra posing with some very famous international metal bands. There's As I Lay Dying, The Ghost Inside, Fin Troll, Insomnium, Equilibrium, Suicide Silence. Please don't make me say that one again. Carcass. Harakiri for the sky, Vader, hate, and thy disease. You can also see Cassandra's inferno tattoo, her best purchase, the amazing beckoning cat. That's definitely not beckoning. Her object, the Viking knight T-shirt, her favorite WeChat sticker, and loads of other photos from events at past and present incarnations of the Inferno Bar. The biggest connection between Cassandra and season one of the show would be Nini Sum, the independent artist from episode 16, who also ran rings around me with her coolness. They both have a very similar vibe, and they both also mentioned Linkin Park. Actually, there's a more direct connection with the Chinese comedian Maple Zhuo from season one, episode two, who also mentioned the story of Wu Zetian as her favorite China-related fact. When Cassandra mentioned the Qing Empress Cixi, this links to the brand naming expert Vladimir Jurovic from season two, episode thirteen, and his story about La Foyere and the Chinese branding of the French company Galerie Lafayette. Cassandra would miss vegetables if she left China, which was exactly the same answer as Yovana Zhang, the handicraft designer from season two, episode eight. Cassandra's favorite destinations in China were Sanya and Mogansan, which connects her respectively with Emily Madge, the aquarium conservationist from season one, episode fourteen, and Sean Harmon, the craft beer business leader from season two, episode nine. And can you believe it? Cassandra's go-to song to sing at karaoke was "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses, which makes it the first song that has been mentioned three times on the show. 
The other two times were Lizanthea Taylor, the pain management expert from Season 1, Episode 28, and Louise Roy, the childbirth expert from Season 2, Episode 6. So with all that said, even though Cassandra represents such a niche interest group, I think she might be the most connected piece of the mosaic so far. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. There follows a catch-up with Yang Yi, the broadcaster from Season 1, Episode 21. And guess what? When I got home from the studio after my chat with Yi, I discovered that the recording suddenly cuts off halfway. So please enjoy this further example of basic incompetence, and I'll see you again next week for some more. Are we recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Is the magic happening? Yeah, it's a magic moment. <laughs> e, great to see you. Hi, Oscar. Very nice to meet you again. <laughs> ah, what a year it has been. Yes, it's really... Um, I think it's a very special year. Yes. yes. We've had COVID, of course, but then for you, your life has taken a big 180 since we did our recording. Yes. When we recorded, you were already a podcaster, but I think you had a day job still in broadcasting. Yes. And then since then, you've quit that and we are actually doing our interview in your studio. And it is a beauty. So it's called Just Pod, your company, right? Yes. Just Pod is a podcasting company. And my partner is uh, his entrepreneur. So we co-created this company. I quit my television job and the podcasting become my full-time job. So Congratulations. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. So since then, uh, it's one and a half year. Tell me about the new lifestyle then. It's a more entrepreneurial lifestyle. There's no salary. You are, <laughs> you are running on your own wits at this point, right? Yes. I have to say, you know, um, Doing your own business is, is a very difficult problem because I have different rules. Uh, I am a, a producer. Uh, I have my own shows uh, under my company. And I also the co-creator of this company. I'm a COO, the chief operating officer. So I have to do a lot of things to handle this company. I need a balance. And of course, I have my boyfriend <laughs> this year. So I have three different rules. A creator a uh, businessman <laughs> and a boyfriend. I still feel confusing at this moment about these things because I like to produce the show. I like to talk to people. At this moment, I think usually um, daytime, I'm a businessman. But at the, at the night, <laughs> <laughs> when I stay alone, I'm a podcaster. So I have no phones. I have no meeting. So I think, okay, it's time for me myself to edit the shows but at this point another one <laughs> my boyfriend, the boyfriend yeah, I was gonna this, say. oh you spend too much time at work mm. Mm. that's when you start to bump into your other responsibility yes okay well <laughs> you look calm even though you're juggling all these things you look smiley you look happy so something's going right Yes, I think it is. A, <laughs> I, I'm very happy at this moment. Uh, I still feel challenged. 
Our company has 11 original podcasts. Now it's 11, okay. Yeah, it's still booming this year. Well, this is what I wanted to ask because we had a similar conversation during our interview. Yes. And so I wanted to know, like, what has happened in the last year? Has there been, like, one show that was a breakout show? Has there been a boom in one particular genre? (laughs) Tell me what's happened in the last year. Yes, of course. I think the year 2020 is a... It means a lot for the Chinese podcasting. During the pandemic, we have a brand new application for podcasting. Xiaoyuzhou. Yes. A Xiaoyuzhou in Chinese, which means a little cosmo. Mm. Yeah. The first localized podcast application in China. So it brings a lot of attention. It brings a lot of audience into this area. Interesting, because you were the one who told me about that in the run-up to... Podfest, because mm-hmm. you are one of the organizers behind Podfest. That's where I met you, first of all. This yes. is now two, two, two and a half years ago. You had Xiaoyuzhou as your sponsor. Yes. So they're very passionate on this area and they want to more and more uh, customers know them. Mm. So Podfest China is a maybe a good stage. And just seeing the photos from Podfest, because I, I was thinking when we first went to Podfest, it was very much an international event because most of the knowledge about podcasting was from outside of China. And it's more like a salon. It's a, in a yes. very uh, small uh, conference room. <laughs> yes, it was small. It was like half English, half Mandarin. Yes. And then this year, it was a full-blown, massive event (laughs) and just Chinese. So it shows that the domestic market has really gone places. Yes. But of course, the pandemic is a a reason because very difficult to invite the the foreign guests to China. So, Uh. yeah. But you're right. The podcasting in China is booming this year. So more and more people become a podcaster. More and more people become listeners. So we already have enough topics to talk. 